following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Today's topic is we are talking about aging. It's a very relevant topic for most of us. Aging and beauty. And eventually the goal is to get into um, the question of cosmetic surgery. And halacha, what's the halacha perspective on cosmetic surgery to reverse or any actions, I guess, of reversing your aging. So, but we're going to start first with the concept of, uh, of um, in general, that, uh, what the Torah's view on, I guess, aging or... And, and the above. So, so the, we're going to begin with Parshat Chai I would we're just like to start yeah. by saying I think it's a good thing. Aging is a good thing. Aging is, I agree. is better than not aging. Yes. <laughs> better than the alternative, as they say. So we're going to start with uh, Parshat Chai which is we're a little behind the times, but we're, we're only a couple of weeks. Only a couple of weeks behind. Oh. Uh, <coughs> and uh, the, there's two mentions of this topic in Chai First is the as we know, Chai Sarah begins with the death of Sarah. Even though it's the, the parsha is called the life of Sarah, but it begins with her death. And um, the first verse in the, is, begins with, Ayu Chai Sarah, um, it's the top of the page there in English, I'll read the Hebrew. Ayu Chai Sarah, Meyashana, number one on the page. Ve'esrim Shana, V'sheva Shanim Shnei Chai Sarah. So the Torah says, um, she lived for 127 years. And um, and the question that all not the question all everyone addresses the medrash, famous medrash with which all the commentaries um, seem to go with, which is the Torah splits up her age here into three categories of ages. It says she was 100. It, 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 normally, you would just say her age. She was 127 years old when she died. It doesn't say that. It says she was 100 years, 20 years, and seven years is the way the Torah separates the different ages. Um, different parts of her life. So all the commentaries discuss that actually it's referring to different aspects, different uh, areas of her life, and her whole life was equal in that sense. So I'll just read you Rashi. Um, so Rashi explains the repetition here. Um, actually, it's quoted in number two. Look at that. So uh, number two, it says, Just as a 22-year-old has not sinned, because she is not liable to punishment, so too when she was 100 years old. So again, the Torah says 120 and 7. So the Rashi understands the Medrash to say, just as she had not sinned when she was um, uh, 20, because, by the way, the age for what we call a bar onish in, in, in Jewish law is the age of 20. That means under the age of 20, you're liable from the age of bar bat mitzvah till the age of 20, you're liable for your sin, but you're not, we can't, we don't punish you in a human court of law. Okay, so let's say you, d- you committed a capital crime. We won't put you to death till after the age of 20. I mean, meaning, we won't put you to death if you, that crime was committed before the age of 20. Okay, so again, you're liable, but we, we, don't, uh, we don't believe in your, your level of maturity till that age. So Is there a stated reason why it's 20 as opposed to 19 or 21? I don't know. It doesn't state the reason explicitly in the Talmud, but that's what we call baronshin. The assumption is again your your level of uh, I don't know what the correct term would be, but uh, we don't trust your judgment. Your level of judgment is not is understood that uh, you're lacking until the age of twenty. Okay. Why shouldn't it be thirteen if you're um, if you're old again, enough you're to adult, assume you're liable. When you get to the pearly gates, they're gonna you'll be punished. But as far as the human court of law, we don't think we we don't. Um, punish you in the human court of law till the age of 20. Now is that only for capital punishment or is that for all significant Um, crimes? I think it's specifically capital punishment but I'm not sure. I I don't want to say for sure because we're being taped. Um, Okay, so... So you have 70 years to really mature. Yes. It's (laughs) beautiful. That's what we're going to talk about, yes. To get it together. Okay, so again, so continue. It's nature that did something wrong, the population would die out very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, so it says she was 100 years without, she was without sin when she was 20. Sorry, you need a paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, okay. 
um, when she was like seven, she, when she was 20, she was like a seven-year-old as regards to beauty. It's a very strange statement um, that the Medrash says because we like to think in our society, at least 20-year-olds are probably looked at more beautiful than, look at beauty more in a 20-year-old than in a seven-year-old. But uh, so there's a lot of discussion about exactly what that means. Interestingly enough, the Cheskuni, just to put it in perspective, he's a commentary here in uh, Rishon, in the early authority, he says it like this, when he mentions this statement, clearly he's bothered by this, even in that day and age, he says, I could find it here, I did see it this morning. Um, he says, here, and he says, um, when she was 100, as if she was 20 in the fact of she had no sin, and then he goes on to say, um, quotes to Rashi, it says when she was 20, she was as beautiful as a 7-year-old. Perish, meaning the 7-year-old doesn't put on makeup and doesn't have to beautify herself to be beautiful. Doesn't She's natural beauty. 7-year-olds um, um, don't, you know, beautify themselves. They're still, they're naturally beautiful. That's what he's saying. She, when she was 20, she was as if a seven-year-old. She didn't need the outer. Uh, she didn't need makeup. She didn't have to do anything to beautify herself in that sense. At 20, usually they, as we say in Yiddish, they pits themselves up. Women tend to put on a lot of makeup and and they think that makes themselves more beautiful. So it says Sarah didn't need that. Um, just like a seven-year-old. Okay, so that's that's uh, so clearly there's a, the they seem to be stressing in a certain sense the Torah going to this matter is stressing how beautiful Sarah was, which is somewhat interesting. We tend not to uh, famous line from we say in Eshet Chayel King Solomon says in Mishlei, right, which is uh, beauty is uh, vanity is vain. So we see in other places um, other statements of, of Chazal, of our sages, seems to imply that beauty is not, is vain. So how does that uh, work exactly? Um, so uh, is the yeah. implication there that at 127 she was visually beautiful, or is it... No, well it says at 20 she was as beautiful as 7, according to Rashi. So it does not say when she was 100. Oh, okay. It doesn't say that. Um, so I, I missed although I mean, you do I should have paid closer attention. Yeah, although I mean, we do see that. Uh, it could be confusing. Um, that was by Yitzchak, and it says, I mean, it does say that Abraham had was uh, right. As we know, Sarah had to lie; she was Abraham's sister um, when they came down to Egypt. I'm not sure what age she was at that time, but it sounds like she was pretty much up there, because soon afterwards she got pregnant when she was 90. Right? The next story is she was na- she got pregnant when she was 90 years old. So clearly. There was a concern that her beauty would attract um, the king, that Abraham felt enough so that um, Abraham made her lie about uh, her status. So that wasn't a sin when she lied about her age? Yeah, to save her from being uh, molested by the king. That's not a sin. Was it a sin? She didn't lie about her age. She lied about her the not being married. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot. It's actually the same Gemara that we're going to quote in a second. Mm-hmm. Does It's a whole different topic. We have discussed in the past. There are we 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 learn from this story that there are times you're allowed to lie. As a matter of fact, um, Abraham, when God spoke to Abraham when she got pregnant, when she was going to get pregnant, telling him he lied about what Sarah said because for Shalom Bayit. So that's another thing. Talmud learns for Shalom Bayit you're allowed to lie. Good to know that. Okay, so as we see God lied. He he um, Abraham. It says Sarah laughed and she said, you know, he's an old fart. You know, Abraham, he's, there's no way we can get pregnant. People, uh, right, so when God was telling over the story to Abraham, he didn't say, he left that part out, at least. He didn't lie, but he omitted the part where uh, Sarah said, told him an old uh, teaser. Of course, the commandment <laughs> is only about perjury and not lying. Not going there today. God says it's, I think perjury is implied. Anyway, that's all different class about lying, a whole different topic, but, but a very it's important very topic. False witness. Not for it's, now. Not, it's not, it's white lies. Okay, so, um, okay, so I didn't have the measure mm-hmm. but I'm not going to... Yeah. It's hard to say that anything that God says is not going to be But he did tell others 
but but never to bear false witness against thy neighbor. Yeah, by the way, it's not so simple lying. I don't know, I didn't overhear the conversation. Again, a whole different topic, but it's not simple that a regular, just lying in itself is a biblical prohibition. People always say it as Ten Commandments. Not true. The Ten Commandments is specifically, as you're saying, a false testimony in a court of law. There are other cases the Torah applies lying, but many, according to many commentaries, it's only specifically when you're lying for monetary to, for monetary gain. It's a biblical prohibition. Um, that means just if I just uh, lie to you about, you know, the weather, there's no biblical prohibition. So it's not so simple. That the lying is to prohib- not make you look fat. Is not. <laughs> no, that's Shalabai. That's for sure permitted. So that's for sure, and he's saying that's life saving. That's danger to your life if you don't lie. That's right. So, okay, so, uh, okay, I'm not going to find, I didn't find the Medrash, but we're, we're going to move on. So, another verse, another very important verse, um, relevant. So, that's one aspect where we see that. In a certain sense, we are respecting the concept of beauty. Um, um, so again, that's questionable exactly how to put that into context. There's another fascinating verse further on in the Parsha. It's on your sheet number three. Um, number three on the sheet, chapter 24, verse 1. Again, I'll read the Hebrew, because the Hebrew is always important. Think now they know you know uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. Oh, exactly. Exactly, that's the point. That's a very good point, Jimmy. That's what we're going to discuss. So in verse, in chapter 24, verse 1, it says like this um, in the Hebrew, Ravram zaken babayamin. Abraham was um, a old, and uh, as they translate it here, in advanced days, okay? Hashem berachet Avram God blessed Abraham with everything. We're not going to get into what the second half part means. What is it? What's everything? Everyone wants to be blessed with everything, but what's everything? Um, there's a lot of discussion about that, but we're going to focus on the first part about the aging. So it says here, God, uh, not sorry, it says Abraham was old and he was um, advanced in years. Advanced in years. Advanced in days. So the Talmud, discussing this very verse, explains it. Um, and that's the, the next quote number four, but I'm going to read it to you in the Talmud itself. Talmud here, in the context of the discussion here, of the story of Abraham says like this. So as we know, the, the prior to, as we just mentioned, prior to Sarah getting pregnant with Isaac, okay, they didn't have kids for many, many years. She was 90, he was, uh, he was 95, I don't remember, 98, whatever it was. He was up there in age. I'm getting old, I can't remember. Senior moment. So, so, um, sh- the whole story with Elimelech happened. That she was, uh, that uh, Abe, she had a lie, and she was um, seemingly, she almost was, uh, Elimelech wanted to kidnap her, kidnap Sarah, etc., and held her hostage until he realized what he did wrong. Um, that's the story prior to getting pregnant. So it says, uh, the Gemara discusses, and the Medrash discusses, that Hashem made a miracle. People were going to say, listen, she's not, she hasn't gotten pregnant in all these years from Abraham. All of a sudden, she gets kidnapped by Elimelech, by the king, and now she's pregnant. So they're gonna. People are gonna be talking. The rumors are gonna be. It's not Abraham's child. It's the mailman's, right? So, so therefore, it says Hashem made a nest that Isaac was a spitting image of Abraham. They looked almost identical. Not identical, obviously, but, um, but, but it was very hard to tell them apart. And therefore, many people, um, as it says, would, you know, come, you know, like uh, the trick twins always play in school, right? Yeah, identical twins. You know, you think you're one brother talking to one, and so people would come talk to one, and they, they really wouldn't realize they are talking to Abraham, and they thought it was Isaac, or they were talking to Isaac, they thought it was Abraham, because they looked identical. The purpose of them looking so similar was, again, that people shouldn't talk, that it's the mailman's baby. Okay? Um, so now, so the Gemara says like this, fascinating thing, it's discussing the invention of many different things that we ex- take for granted in our society, one of them is the concept of aging. So it says like this. Um, that's what it says immediately after. First it says the story that I just mentioned. It says um, the miracles that happened after the birth of Isaac with Sarah, that she was able to nurse the baby, etc. Not going to get into all the miracles. Um, and it says, Miyad nepach klaster punishing Yitzhak. Immediately the facial features of Isaac 
transformed and he became similar to that of Abraham. Um, and they all spoke and sang because, again, society was saying, oh, it's, the, it's Avimelech's baby. So Avram held us Yitzchak, therefore the, parasha be, um, the words of the parasha begin, Abraham gave birth to Yitzchak. It doesn't say Sarah gave birth. Why? Because he wanted to show this concept that, that to make sure everyone understands, it's Abraham's child. Sarah, as we, as we say in Halachic Judaism, is very important because you always go with the mother because you always know who the mother is. The mother gave birth, right? Therefore, we, that's why we believe in uh, maternal lineage. But you never really know who the father is, right? So we, we know it's, you're, you're always sure of the mother. The father can never be sure. Okay? You know? Don't give it, don't give it up to him. So, um, so the point being, so that's he says that's what happened. So we wanted to make sure everyone knows Abraham, Isaac was the son of Abraham. Also, so then it goes on to say, Ad Avraham, a fascinating uh, sociological statement, history of sociology, said, Ad Avraham, lo zikna. That means until Abraham, there was no physical signs of, of old age. People did not get old. That's what the Gemara says. That means up until that time in history, you, uh, th- I don't, I don't know exactly what that means. Does it mean you were, vi- you know, you were full it means vitality? You can build an ark when you you're six hundred years uh, old. Yeah. What? It means you can build an ark when you're six hundred years old. Yeah, that's not so old. He died when he was nine hundred. He was a youngster at the time. Six hundred was young at the time. But the point is, I don't know. So it seems to me there was no. It doesn't mean I don't know if it means their bodies didn't get weaker. It means they there was no outward signs. At least at the minimum means there were no outward signs of aging. So meaning your hair didn't turn white, you didn't get wrinkles, etc. That's what it means. Um, that's what it seems to mean. So it says, so what happened was, because they looked similar, Abraham and Isaac, um, whoever wanted to speak to Isaac, to Abraham, or to Isaac, he would end up speaking with Isaac. Avram, the one who wanted to speak with Isaac, might unwittingly end up talking with Avram. So Avram, so Avram realizes there's a problem here. Bayrachmi, so he beseeched God for mercy, and he asked God to do something about that, because he was sick of talking to all Isaac's friends. So Vahayazikna, so the Gemara says, and he became, from that, he started showing physical conditions of old age, came into being. So it says that's the first time in history that there was outward physical signs of old age. Thank God, thank God Ron's here. No, Ron's not here. Well, there's an inherent contradiction. If you don't age, Yet it's a miracle that Abraham could father a child and Sarah could nurse. But if you really didn't age, why? Right, so that again, miracle? that's the question. So I'm not oh. sure. Um, I'm not sure what it means. Does it mean they didn't age, or there was no physical ramification? No, of course you're aging. Obviously, you're, you're older. The question is, again. do you get? Did you look older? That that seems to be the issue. Physiologically, endocrinologically. And the Botox old. industry was born. That's what we're getting to. We're getting to. <laughs> At what age you stop aging? Do you look like? Do you look like you're 20, yeah. or you look like you're 30, or you look like you're 15? What do you mean? 60. One second. One second. 400. One at a time. So, you know, what are you saying? No, I'm saying there's no. I mean, that's different people. Listen, I aged earlier. I have a lot of stress in my life from you guys. Would they say that up until Abraham, nobody aged? aged. It it doesn't say nobody aged. Again, it doesn't say... There were no physical indications of becoming old. So, So how old did they look? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, you're saying, well, we're saying Abraham and Isaac look the same, so I don't know. Did they age? That's a good question. Did they have a vessel from the fountain of youth? That kept them looking that way. No, no, no it just says. According to what you're saying, it looked 20. Why 20? Well, because if 20 is when you become liable for everything you've grown up at 20, really grown up at 20. Right, so you continuously look 20. Yeah. Not that. That would be Not nice. bad. Even now, there are, there are quite a number of women who, when they're with their daughters, yeah, you know, yeah. people say, Are you sisters? Um, yeah, that's just the point. Yeah, but, but, no, but uh, from, 20 40, uh, yeah. Uh, from 20 to 40, roughly, a person doesn't age, or, uh, you know, tremendously. Speak for yourself. Excuse me? Speak for yourself. <laughs> I don't know, I got a... I, I okay. came okay. to Houston, I was... Roughly women. 20 women. to 40, a person Probably doesn't, and then they... I was 30 when I came to Houston, I, less than five years later, I turned white. <laughs> I'm looking at my kids now, they're in their 40s, that sort of thing. But, and maybe now they're starting to get a bit of grey hair, thin, and that sort of thing. 
Well, that's not the point. The point is, well, the, what we want to talk about is aging. Aging, meaning it says up until the point of Abraham, there was no physical indications of aging. Outward physical manifestations of, of aging. Of other people. What do you mean of other people? Right. No one. Until the time of Abraham, there <laughs> yes. was no physical... Uh, it means of, people, of like you say, people, people stayed 20 for until they were 80. They looked 20. Yeah. They didn't look different, okay? Well, what's intriguing about this is that it wasn't just Abraham looked like Isaac. Yeah. All children look like their parents. Yeah, so right. they no, but what it says here. It says, no, uh, it, say it says here there was no way to tell when a person was aging. So in effect, everyone looked the same age. Um, so fathers and sons, mothers and daughters know, looked the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, in fact, everyone looked the same age. It uh, doesn't say that. Here. That's Fagy's okay. translation. She gave the closest Fagy and I'm using because she gave the class so a few weeks ago. So, she, I don't think, meaning I, I described it to Gemara and she wrote it down, so <laughs> I read it. It says that Abraham and Isaac look the same. It doesn't say that about everyone. They had a specific miracle because we wanted to make sure Isaac was viewed as the son of Abraham. Not all father and sons were well, it's, identical. It's just, it's just intriguing that Abraham felt compelled yes. to so cover that's his that's tracks that Yes. Oh, yeah. You're saying something for everyone? you got to yeah. speak up. You're saying you got to talk She's to trying and nobody listens. People, not yeah. everybody, but a certain amount of people, even today, if you, if there's a child that's walking by, you can look at them and you know who Yes, for sure. No question. It is, but that doesn't mean that it's similar. They looked exactly the same. We're saying they here they looked exactly they the same. So much so that people mistake, mis mistoke them. Like mistake them. I was mistaken for my daughter many a time. So they do look yeah. Are yeah, but not all people do that. Not all people. Yes. Some so it's people. not a miracle. That's the point. It's a, What's that? Uh, 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 Abraham looked like Isaac. It's yeah, right. The Bible says it was, but uh, no. do you, no. yeah, it doesn't aging, have to be a miracle. Aging is a consequence of Abraham's yes. felt need to cover exactly. up a non-sin just to make him look good. But may, presumably Sarah and Abimelech didn't get it on. Yes, no. But Abraham felt there was concern people might think that, so he aged to cover up the non-sin. So. Mm -hmm. No, on the contrary. That was, he wanted to look different than Isaac. It was because to cover up the sin, Hashem created them, or she's saying it's not necessarily a miracle, but they both look very, very similar. And since there was no aging, people would mistake them. Therefore, Abraham yeah. felt the need to get away from Isaac, to differentiate himself from Isaac, and therefore he asked to age. And therefore people saw there was at least... So only they didn't Abraham and Isaac look the same. Only them. That's what the... Uh, yeah, only them. That's what Tom yeah. is implying. Yeah. All we need is that he doesn't look like Avi Melech. He looks more like Abraham than Right. Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's no, but it's clearly people were mistaking them. Okay, we're getting too I, into I, the I, details of this. This may or this may be yes. off topic. I don't know. It is. It yeah. struck me. <laughs> and, and and the question is, God had hundred and twenty seven years to answer and many of those years to answer Sarah's prayer for a son. Why did he choose to do it? At the one time when it would raise a question. It's a great question. Good point. Well, there's a bigger question, which we're going to discuss in subsequent weeks, not related to this topic. We get to infertility, which is all the why did he punish her with this infertility until she was 90? Um, and all the, it's not just her, all the, basically all so that's the. That's insult to injury. All the uh, mothers, all our foremothers, had fertility problems, except Leah. What? God wanted her to be for himself. Uh, and that's why we're not Christian. We don't believe in the, the angel believe in the uh, conception. that she's get pregnant. Moving year. along. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, but why? So within nine months. Of it's a good. It's a good point. It's a good question. I don't know the answer. Um, so okay, let me just finish the Gemara. Yes, the Gemara says again. The Gemara goes on to say we'll, we'll get to it a different time, which is other inventions that uh, we're not going to get into. Yaakov was the first one who ever got sick before death. Till then, you just died, and we discussed it in a different class, but we'll get there one day. 
again, which is you, you sneezed and you die. That's why if you look at all cultures, uh, they explain here, they all have a blessing for sneezing. Why is it? Every single culture in the world, you go in the depths of Africa, say, Gesundheit, bless you, uh, Salam, whatever, whatever. Every single culture has a blessing when someone sneezes. The Gemara says the reason is because until Jacob, the way you died was you sneezed and you, and you died. That's how you died. There was no sickness, illness before death. People didn't get weaker, you know, till they died. You just, you know, walk, eating breakfast, died. you sneezed and you're so, so did Isaac, did Isaac have a first? And Jacob prayed, what? Were there many sneezes, but then one of them you died with? Or you only had one Yeah, your last one. <laughs> your last you didn't sneeze, sneeze after you died, that's the truth. Did Isaac have a first? Did, did Isaac have a first? Yes, Abraham was the first one to age. Jake was the first one to get sick. What about, about, about Isaac? It doesn't mention this command. First one to be monogamous. Say this. Okay, so so that's a whole different uh, issue of we're talking about aging, not dying. That's a different dying is a different topic. So um, so. Uh, so the point is, how does and how does the Gemara extrapolate this concept of aging? It's from this verse. The fact that the Torah repeats again, Abraham was old, and he says, Jimmy pointed out before, you already know he's old, and it says twice he was old, advanced in age. So the simple interpretation is, you can be advanced in age without being old, like like me. I'm very young, uh, young, but I'm advanced in age in the sense of I have you know a white beard. Or you, someone could be old but not be advanced in age. So that's, that would be the simple interpretation. So there's both aspects. It's a lot of um, nice sermon material which talks about Baba Yamim, which means accomplished. Um, people, there's people who get old and they're not happy with their lives. Baba Yamim means they're satisfied. They're, um, they feel accomplished. They fulfill their goals and mission in life. And therefore, Baba Yamim, that's what Baba Yamim. So you can feel that when you're younger also. So it's not related to being old. Interestingly enough, so so that the the point is in either case, what we're saying is, from this verse we learn out the concept of that aging began, and as Shelley pointed out, why the question really is why did Abraham pray for it? Besides the practical ramifications, um, why is aging is aging a good thing? Is it not a good thing? It seems like the fact that Abraham prayed for it, we're going to assume that it is a good thing to age. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of discussion of that. Um, you want to say something? No. Okay. Would you like me to say something? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, uh, so, um, right, so no, it's generally, so, uh, so we're not going to get into a lot about aging, again, um, the, the simple reason is, I think, that aging in a certain sense, and, and it has to do with, they talk about that also when, when Jacob prayed for death, for illness before death, it's sort of the, the, I always talk about the, uh, I don't know, basketball rules so well, but the 90, the two-minute buzzer, the two-minute buzzer, we're not going there, that's a different topic. Um, I've never to heard of that. You'll come back again, we'll talk about it a different we'll time. come back to haunt your soul. Um, it's, two, it's sort of the two-minute buzzer, the, kind, the point of aging is you, you should know that, you know, you don't live forever, and therefore you get your midlife crisis, and you, you need to up your game, so to speak, um, and, and, and fulfill whatever whatever you feel like your mission in life is, so to, to go ahead and make sure that's going to happen. So it's sort of, again, it's a warning. Aging is a, the warning sign that we got to do what we got to do. So before Abraham, at some point. Yes. there are no Jews, and people living into their 900s. Such wow. a blessing, you get the first Jew, and the Jew ages. <laughs> I mean, what does that tell us? That uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just intriguing that it's a gift to the Jews or from the Jews. But Abraham's the first one to really age. Plus, his lifespan is considerably shorter at 175 than those people who lived before him. Yes. So, so again, clearly, that's that's exactly the point. But the point where it seems like the Gemara is trying to make is that aging is a good thing. We don't view aging as a negative thing in, in our society, Western society, in American society for sure. We're brought up to view that uh, youth, you know, the fountain of youth. As someone mentioned, everything is about becoming younger. Botox industry is, uh, as we know, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, uh, $800 billion industry, probably more right now. Um, you know, it's, everything is about going back to youth. Viagra, and uh, we're all trying to relive our youth. The point you see here is no. <laughs> Aging is not necessarily a negative thing. It's a, it's, it was given as a, save to see right here. Um, it was given as a, as a sign of um, being able to, to actually... Um, to, to the two-minute buzzer to live your life to its fullest. 
it's a sign that we gotta we gotta live life to the fullest. It's also and it's coming to an end. We don't live forever. It, yes. If you're going to revere the wisdom of the aged, it's a clue that anybody can look and say that's an old person. Maybe ah. you ought to pay attention. So that's but the next verse, by the way, that I quoted here on the sheet, which is interestingly enough, five. Verse number five, there's a, there's a, there's a, people don't know, there's a biblical commandment in the Torah, it's one of the 613 mitzvahs, which says, You shall literally translate, it means you shall ride, we, well, that's not the literal translation, I don't know, hadarta means you shall give honor, literally, to a, to the face of an elder. Yeah. Before Abraham or any of those other people in the Bible referred to as Zakain, I mean, you live to 900, but you're not really aging. Are any of them referred no, to no, as? I think Abraham and Sarah were the first time. So that implies that, for all practical purposes, if your lifespan is going to be 900, it's sort of you take life for granted, and there's no too many right, exactly. there's no aging. Exactly. That you're not no, doing uh, the respect that. You, you that know, you can always put it off for tomorrow. But if you know, if you start getting right. light, and, and uh, so it's a fundamental transformation of time in a certain way that you now have uh, limited a finite yes, lifespan. Exactly. Uh, certain sense. I mean, it's always finite after. Right, I mean, but nine hundred is like yeah. if so, your lifetime yeah. is shortened by uh, three quarters. So now, that's yes, hundred percent. So now, the, so again, the, the, what's interesting is this biblical commandment. Um, well, is not well known, but part of it is you're supposed to stand up. A court honor to anyone, I think it's over the age of 60, I believe, but I'm not sure what's the definition of Zaken, but first of all, there's two parts. One is, the Talmud says, of course, got to put in a plug for rabbis, it's not only, Zaken doesn't only mean in chronological age, it also means um, age and wisdom. Okay, so that means if someone is wise past their years, you also have to accord them honor. So this is where we get the concept of one second. Doesn't say that here. Yes, Talmud says that. So the, the concept is, um, you stand up, that's why we have halacha, the halacha is if an elderly person or a wise person walks in the room, you're supposed to stand up for him um, you're supposed to accord the honor okay, actually an interesting, if you go on the buses in Israel, the Eged buses have this verse on the front instead of the wheelchair sign, which makes the person you're giving up the chair feel bad for, they actually have a sticker with this verse on the, s the three front seats, it says Vadato Pnezaken, quotes this verse um, you know, give up your seat for an elderly person and over there it actually is very common people do, although I think it's changing like all societies, people are not respecting elders as they used to um, it's still pretty common here here? Hmm. Eh, yeah, I grew up in New York City subway no one gives up this well, shit, I, I for just, anyone I was just in New York, one of the signs that Linda and I are aging are people standing up off because they're seats oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's still pretty common here yeah, okay. Uh, um, so anyway, so it's, this is a, it's a biblical obligation. You actually fulfill a mitzvah. You have to give up your seat, technically speaking, in a certain sense. Um, what's interesting is, and the reason why I quoted it here, relevant to, to this topic, is because the this is, my wife pointed this out, um, is that the word used for honor is vahadarta, hadar, um, which really the root of that uh, uh, term in Hebrew is beauty. Hadar. Um, is, is the word we use for an etrog. It says, uh, um, um, I forgot the Pasuk, the, ver the verse says that, um, that you're supposed to use a pre-eitz hadar, a beautiful uh, citrus, citron fruit for etrog. Okay, it doesn't even name the fruit, it's beautiful fruit. So the word hadar means beauty. So the Torah is telling you, give honor to beauty, or give beauty to the, or it seems to be referring to the old person as, as beauty, which is a very interesting point based on what we're saying. Um, you know, there's a way of summing up Judaism versus. Let me finish my point here. So, no, it's this. So, meaning the point that we're saying is here, usually, again, we, we translate the verse as honor, but it really the root of that verse uh, that really means is it's telling us to ascribe beauty to the old face. Hadarta, the literal translation, would mean ascribe beauty um, to the zaken, to the pnei zaken, to the face of the old. What does that mean? Are we saying beautiful people are old? Old is beautiful. What? Wrinkled gray. Wrinkled gray is beautiful. That's uh, right. You could say that. So meaning, so what's beautiful about an old face? As we're saying, it's about aging. Um, is is really again? We're in Western civilization. Our attitude is, you know, uh, and, and I think it's not just today. I mean, it's the ancient Greeks. Hanukkah is coming up, which is the worship of the body. Uh, it was all about youthfulness and the worship of the body. Right? That's Greek culture. Um, and that's the same thing, in, as we said, in the contemporary Western world, the cosmetic industry and the Botox and the 
Viagra and everything is about getting back to appearing young and, and having the vitality of being young and looking beautiful. Okay, so meaning we're trying to make our face seem look younger. So that's what it seems to be saying here. The Torah is saying is no. On the contrary, beauty is a, is a uh, you get more beautiful. An older face, in a certain sense, is more beautiful. Okay, now you can tell anything. Yes. I teach this class. I try to make a distinction between secular and Judaism, and I and I wish I knew who said this. But this, the holy is to a Jew, the holy is beautiful, and to the Greek, for example, the beautiful is holy. The implication being that. In this case, an older person presumably has wisdom, sins less, behaves better. That's beautiful. Whereas to a Greek, an old person is just disgusting because they're, you know, they're old. So I don't know if that's. Does anyone know who said that? I, mean, I didn't make it up. I wish I had. Yeah, but in yeah, China, the, the uh, older person sins gets more honor than the younger person. First thing, which was very good. Yeah. Holy is beautiful. Holy is beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful is beautiful holy. Is holy yeah. And I think that's the implication here that. Uh, when you see a, an old rabbi with a beard and a hat and he's walking kind of... Oh, he's beautiful. You think this guy's really smart. Yeah. He's been around. Anyway, so... He's really good at marketing. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's 20 years old. This guy's anyway, so, the, the getting, moving on. You see a... Audi person. It's beautiful. Appearance doesn't matter. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, so, but, but I'm saying we do, I think we, we society, at least in my lifetime, seems to have changed. Looks People like don't accord honor as much as they used to to elders. Um, there's a famous story I always say over with, uh, it was a big rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, who I had the privilege to meet. He died when he was <sighs> 1902. This was 20 years ago, 30 mm. years ago. And um, he, wow. he, was on, he said over a story, he was on a plane once, and... Uh, you know, there was uh, uh, someone else across the aisle, and it was a priest. I don't remember the, the details of the story. And his, he was with his grandson. And his grandson was taking care of him. He was aged. He was on the plane. He was, you know, serving him and taking care of him, walking to the bathroom. So at one point, uh, the guy leans over, leans over across the aisle. He says, how come, um, you know, you, uh, you, you... How do you train your children, your grandson, to take, give you such honor in your age? So he says, listen, it's very, it's very simple. He says, where I come from, you know, no one treats us with respect as old people. So he says, it's very simple, you know, you believe in evolution. So the, cl the older you are, the closer you are to the apes. Yeah. So why should they respect you? We believe, you know, in, in Sinai. So the further, w the closer you are to Sinai, the more you are closer to the source. Right. So they have to accord us more respect. That was his, his, his answer. This, this is the official motto of the American Association of Plastic Surgeons, beautify the face of the elderly. Really? Serious? Uh, really? You just looked it up. Oh, sure. Oh, you just answered my question. Okay, so now go moving on from that. So, so the question we want to get to the halacha because it was nice, fluffy talk about aging. The, the, yeah. the question behind that is why doesn't it mean that you should not accept the, how the elderly's face looks and you should try to do that's the literal translation. Beautiful. Well, you say make it, make it beautiful. Make it beautiful. Okay, take one and pass. Could you do No, you wait till the end. So, so now the question becomes, so again, we live in a society where, uh, again, our whole goal is to become more youthful. So what is the halachic view on cosmetic surgery? Again, we're, we're not talking about, uh, we're not going to be talking about reconstructive surgery. If someone has a defect, a real defect, of course, there are, we allow you to do surgery to correct the defect if someone has uh, something actually wrong with them. The question becomes, what about surgery purely for cosmetic reasons, where there is no, the person, there is no defect, the person just wants to have a bigger body part, a smaller body part, uh, whatever it is, um, and, and uh, but they're doing it just purely for cosmetic reasons, there is no medical indications that would require that. I remember when I was, uh, in my days, I think now there's no more shame, but in my days at least when people would have a nose job, they would say, oh, they had a deviated septum, this, they had, the, they always, no one ever admitted they had a nose job. Always because they had a deviated septum or some other thing that they did it for. Once we're there, yes, once we're there, you know, I told them to, you know, fix it up a little, touch it up a little, but, but no one would admit, deviated septum, right, they probably built it. Right, so the point is, so that, again, if you're doing it for medical reasons, 
there's no question um, there's a medical indication that requires a, a, a plastic surgery or to to uh, what's it called uh, what's the word I'm looking for reconstruct the surgery someone who's in a car accident God forbid or they're born with a cleft palate that's something else but we're talking about if there's no medical indication someone's doing it purely again they're they're in there it's a sweet 16 um, and they're in they live in Bel Air and all their friends are getting certain body parts enlarged so they also want to get their body parts enlarged Okay, so is that something that would be allowed halachically? It's okay. not directly related to aging. It's not only aging people. No, but I'm saying it's the concept of is going back what's in time. Beautiful. Do we want, what's not only beautiful, what is, do we, from the Jewish perspective, should we strive to be youthful or or um, or should we, are we specifically saying so those jobs saying not really making you youthful. Well, it depends who you ask. Uh, I mean, they, they, more beauty, both Beauth, beauty, beauty. It's all part of it. Botox. Um, now they have they even have this makeup. They do surgery. They put permanent makeup. I don't know what it's called. It's procedures. They put permanent makeup I'll under your skin. You. Botox is more the issue of aging than. Yeah, but I'm saying mm. there's a lot of uh, a lot of aging. Yeah, facial. I don't want to get too graphic. Fillers now that that also help regenerate um, connective sounds, tissue, so that right. you don't. Sand. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, so this, so basically, that's the question on the table: is the halacha perspective on cosmetic surgery purely for cosmetic reasons, for no other other reason? So, what what's the problem? So, there I put down here four on page two. Um, the first page is just jokes. There's a filler. Um, page two, four halachic issues, at least four that we're going to discuss. Um, we're not going to get into the answers. First, I'm going to just discuss what the halakhic issues are, and then we'll get to the, to the response. Okay, so number one is, um, it's a general theological question, which we have in general, which is, um, in a certain sense, if you're, if you're fixing your body, what you're saying is, God didn't do a good enough job. Um, so right? then why is it called theological okay Okay, so that's an illness. It's an illness. There has a medical, medical indication. I don't know enough about cleft palate, but there's no. You're saying there's no medical problems per se. Cleft palate. There are medical problems. There could well, be. Only, on my the only uh, indication on of cleft palate is from late night TV, you know, two in the morning, the commercials. Um, but why? So what? Yes, will help us. Understand. It depends on. It depends on the extent of the uh, of the uh, of the issue. I mean, it, there there are cleft palates where there's yeah, clear communication. Yeah, chewing issues, swallowing oh, issues. Okay, so yeah, that's, so again, that's not, a hair lip, which right, is not I mean, quite a cleft right, exactly. Palate. Right. Okay. So I'm yeah, talking about again. So so that's different. If there's a medical indication, we, there's no question. Right. No one will. Right. No one but what if it's just a question? So we're talking again okay. purely for cosmetic purposes. That's where it would be an issue. So you're right. Same question would apply. It's a theological question. Do we have a right? to improve on God's work, so to speak. We're saying, God, you messed up. The person is ugly. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, we, we're not happy with God's handiwork. Is that something that Judaism has an issue with in general? Well, well, Are we trying to improve? Do we say that you're insulting God, so to speak? The artist made this picture. It's like, uh, I told you a story when I moved to Houston. There was a, all of, you know, I guess we were the first, uh, I don't know, organization. People would start dropping off our uh, older old Jewish books from their grandparents in the attic keep on getting donations, all these Yiddish books that no one wanted to read. But you can say this so one second, let me finish my point. My story. So uh, so one day we get it, I'm going through this box of Yiddish books that someone dropped off. And uh, there was a book there in Yiddish that says Shakespeare What? Shakespeare in Yiddish Fatajt translated and improved. And improved. Okay. <laughs> translated and improved. Only Yiddish only Jew can write that. So uh, right, so no, it's an insult to Shakespeare. Some Yiddish guy, some European guy decided he's gonna improve on Shakespeare's work. That's an insult to Shakespeare. So if I'm gonna do surgery to improve on God's work for purely for cosmetic reasons, is that in a certain sense an insult to Hashem? Yes. But you could you could say everything has a uh, medical indication because psychologically the person may be Yes, we're gonna get to that. That's a very good point. That's a good point. We'll get there. There are those who say that, who do apply that here. But it's the same it? with kids wearing braces, you know, they're functional differences. Yeah, but again, uh, okay. To have teeth sticking out like a picket fence. Well, point. I grew up with, uh, I needed braces. My parents couldn't afford it. Uh, I lived a fine life. Thank God. Right. Very happy life. Yeah, well, and you wouldn't know that today. Huh? And you wouldn't know it today. You would. I just don't smile. That's why I never smile. <laughs> you never see me smile. I thought you just didn't smile because you're not happy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Abraham yes. interfered with divine promise when he asked God to make a man. 
presumably had. Yeah, so he's asking God. That's different yeah. than doing it on your own. That's the point. Can I go ahead and change my body because I think God did a bad job? That's basically what I'm saying. I, I'm not happy with the body with my uh, this God organism permits, size. God permits Abraham to do it. So if you extrapolate from that, he answers his prayers. Listen, you want to pray that you should look prettier? That's fine. But the question is, can I can I do an action which I'm saying God messed up, so to speak? It's really what you're saying. The artist didn't do a good enough job. Um, so that's question number one. So the truth is, is uh, honestly, it's really not a question because really, as we discussed in the, when we discussed Brit Milah, the whole concept of this world is, it says God created an unfinished world. Um, that's really a, a basic um, concept in Jewish philosophy, a basic principle is tikkun olam, which uh, not, it doesn't mean save the whales or save the dolphins. Tikkun olam is really means um, that we are here to improve God's handiwork, so to speak. God created a world. The world is unfinished. Only Jews or everybody? Including my face. Uh, everyone. What? <laughs> exactly. Including your body. So no, just because you know it's not an insult to God. Because that was the question, by the way. Tuna, tuna, I forgot his name. Tunus Rufus. Some Turnus Rufus, a Greek, uh, sorry, Roman um, general, asked this question to Rabbi Kiva. Listen to this. He asked the question to Rabbi Kiva. He asked Rabbi Kiva. He said, "You listening?" He asked Rabbi Kiva, he said, um, um, how could, uh, does God, what's better, God's work or man's work? He says, of course God's work. I think. Right. What's beautiful, yeah. right? So he said, uh, of course God's work. So he said, and why do you do bris milah? Bris milah is, you're saying, you're, you're taking God's body that he created, and you're, you're doing something, you're changing it. Again, it's the same concept. So he answered him, no. He said, on the, on the contrary, God created us in order to perfect ourselves. Brismila is to perfect ourselves. So our job is to perfect our bodies in that sense. Um, so there's, that's not an insult to God. That is the mission of, of us as human beings, is to perfect the world, so to speak. It's that's also a central tenet for medicine, or else you wouldn't be able to treat disease. You say, well, God wants you God to be that you way. To die. No, but so that's a good question, which we'll get to the next thing, which is that, no, so that there are some who say, on the contrary, the, only, the Torah gave a specific permission, explicit permission, to treat disease. You're right, without that explicit without permission that, of exactly, Rafa, we wouldn't be able to. Meaning, but here where you're not treating disease, you're doing surgery purely for cosmetic reasons, so God, we never got permission for that. There are those who do say that, the anti-cosmetic surgery people in, in Halacha would say that. That's one part of their argument. Is, and that's what I put down here, um, meaning in number two and three, you'll see. Let's say, let's skip to three for a second. Right? Jewish law forbids one to endanger one's own life. So, so, meaning surgery is dangerous. Let's assume going back 30 years ago, 40 years ago, most surgeries are dangerous. And even today, as, as Dr. Rubenfeld can tell you, he knows patients who, who died from cosmetic surgery. Patients, uh, patients' uh, daughters. He told me a story once. So that happens. Meaning people. Uh, there are many instances, especially if you're in a have actually. Uh, I wrote it down somewhere. Mor morbidity rates of plastic surgery. I think it's on the. Yeah, on the page. definitely have on the first page. On the first page, and more telling. I did. No, maybe not. I thought it was yeah. Anyway, but um, so there are. You know, so I'll read you just to. Sh there is a danger in surgery. I can find my notes. I have it somewhere. Um, no, there's, there's a lot of people who die. Um, in cosmetic surgery, here we um, Let's read this to you from Fagy's handout. Was here? Or kill, you, you remember just. Here. Uh, yeah, let me read this here. Surgeons found that the death rate is about 1 in 16,000 cosmetic procedures overall. Interesting statistic emerges when this information is criti critically analyzed. Death rate for non-bordified certified mm -hmm. plastic surgeons and other doctors such as dermatologists was one in about 11,000 procedures. Death rate was three times lower than one in 35,000 in patients operated on, on by, bo by board certified plastic surgeons. Interestingly enough, there's a very different rate. Well, this is a big issue with liposuction. Yeah. About 15, 20 years ago, there was a case mm -hmm. of an OB-GYN doctor with liposuction. I don't know if you yeah. all remember, but four people died from that. Yeah. Because uh, he didn't know what he was doing. All right, so you have, so, so there yeah, is... Didn't he end up in jail? Or yeah. Just yeah, I think it did. So that's really the whole question of... That, uh, fit, uh, yeah. 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 Okay, you know the story about the... Uh, okay, uh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want to at least finish the four questions today. We'll do the answers next week. But the, the four issues, the logic issues, again, so there's another issue which is danger to life. How do we define risk and danger? That's a whole topic. 
which we'll get to one day. But, but let's assume, for argument's sake, that there is a danger, a, a, a halakhic, what we call, it's not a negligible danger. Here it's saying one in 16,000 cosmetic procedures, which sounds, you know, I don't know, is that, would you consider that a real risk is in medical terms? One in 6,000 well, procedures. You're, but you're lumping them all together. Yes, like yes, there's different. Yes, okay, but let's. Yes. There are more sake. dangerous versus less dangerous. Yes. Like but, let's, but let's, I'm saying, is that one in 16,000 no. considered a medical risk? No, but for a 70 year old, to, to for 70 year olds, kind of a facelift or neck, which is a 12 hour procedure, not necessarily on the general seizure, but lying still for 12 hours for a 70 year old, that's a risk. That's and it's yeah. probably much Absolutely. higher than one in 16,000. Absolutely. Uh. Because pulmonary emboli in particular. Okay, so, so again, obviously it depends on the procedure, depends on the, on the person, on the age, and etc. And, and who your doctor is. There's a lot of factors. But the point is, let's assume for argument's sake... You would take... There is not a medicine you wouldn't take if the risk was 1 in 16. Again, again but that's medicine. No, but that, that's right. what I'm saying. That's a, there's a medical indication. There, so that's right. exactly the point I'm getting to. So issue number two, is, and this goes back to what Shelley was discussing before, which is... The Torah only gives us permission to take a risk for medicine, meaning every surgery, if I have, whatever surgery I'm going to have, there's a risk involved, right? The surgeon can tell you, right? Especially, depends who your surgeon is. So, um, so I the... You resemble that. <laughs> you resemble that. <laughs> um, so, so now the point is, right, so, so now why am I allowed to have surgery if there's risk involved? Because over there, the Torah understands every medical procedure. He's saying, like every medicine, any treatment you take, there are risks involved. Obviously, there's it's more a risk and less. Benefit analysis. Right, there's a risk-benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. Halacha recognizes that, and the Torah tells you that's another reason that some uh, early authorities explain why the Torah had to give us permission to go to a doctor, because there is a risk in almost all treatments. There is a basic risk, especially if you're well. So, so the the point is that um, that uh, so the Torah is giving us permission, but the Torah is again only giving us permission for medically um, indicated procedures well, where you need there's a cure. But, but if it's cosmetic, who said the Torah ever even gave you permission to allow you to take that risk? Yeah, but or to get healed. We brought up the notion of a healed. psychological issue hey, associated that, with so that, that might be the answer. That might be the oh. answer. We're just discussing the questions. we get to the answers next week because we're running out of time. So, the que so again, so the question is, can you do a procedure with, that's not me medically indicated where there's risk involved? Because it's normally prohibited to put your life at risk. So, for example, to go bungee jumping um, is, might be halakhically prohibited, in case you think about it, um, if there's a risk um, involved. So the question is, how do we... How do you get around it? Is that a problem when you're talking about cosmetic surgery? Again, where there's no medi medical indi indication for that surgery. Okay, that's issue number three on the page. Go, let's go back to issue number two, um, which is, um, as we discussed in the past in other contexts, but we'll get back to it again, which is Jewish law forbids um, mutilating yourself or wounding oneself. That means, I'm not going to do something, we, again, we don't believe in the notion of our bodies ourselves, not just for feminists, but for all, even for ma males. We don't own our bodies. Men and women do not own their bodies. God owns our bodies. They're on loan from God for 80, 100 years, however long you're going to live. Or at least until you get into assisted living, then they own your body. So, so um, the point is, right, so we don't own our bodies. Therefore, we have no right to mutilate our bodies. We have no right, even if, you know, I tell someone, you know, like in the movies, you know, or some people in high school, college, right, you say, you know, punch me, you know, take a swing at me, and you're giving the guy permission. He's still liable. Allah is, my man, he says, even if the person gives you permission to hit him, to wound him, you're still prohibited to do that. Okay, there's a prohibition of wounding another person or wounding yourself. There's no so difference. Jewish boxers are... That's, well, that's a different parnas, uh, for to make a living. Oh, talk okay. about it. That's something else, which by the way is relevant to this. Right. Right. So, so there surgery, is a, we discussed that. So it's for making wounding. a living, there is a certain amount of risk might be able to place your life on. So it gets yeah. back to the same issue. Surgery is clearly mutilating yourself. I mean, yes, being mutilated, right. clearly. So, so again, you have to have a rationale. So if there's a med medical yeah. indication, so then it's allowed because of the benefit. That's not mutilation even. That's, you're healing yourself. Here, the question becomes, it's, um, are purely cosmetic considerations sufficient to allow a patient to undergo this type of self-wounding? Because that's what you're doing. I mean, you're not doing it. Hopefully you're not doing it to yourself. But it means you're allowing the doctor to wound yourself. That's question number two. And last but not least, and then we'll call it a day, um, is the, the last question. So, so again, that's, that's very similar to the other question is we allow for medical indication. Of course we will allow it, self-wounding and endangering your life, both two and three. But the question is here, where you don't have any medical indications, again, purely for cosmetic purposes, would we allow it or not? And number four, issue number four that we're going to discuss is uh, there's uh, another 
maybe by now it's well known or little known, something that's no longer PC to say, but the Torah prohibits cross-dressing, unfortunately. What can you do? It's a tough life. Um, so, so, so it's an explicit verse in Deuteronomy. Um, it's actually, I think, in another place too. It says a man shall not put on woman's garments, and it says a woman may not wear man's garments. Okay. Now the Talmud again applies that, uh, broadens that. It doesn't say it in the verse, but the Talmud broadens that to not only limited to um, woman's garments or the opposite gender's garments, but also to acts that are solely done by one specific gender. That's why I don't wash the dishes in my house. So there are many things. So, for example, yes. Well, the, two, the 2018 question isn't is it okay to wear garments from the other sex, but what what is a man in the world? That's true. Yes, so the Torah makes it very clear, the definition of Maria, whatever. Well, not very clear, but pretty clear what the definition of man and woman is, but the point is, so cross, it's not only cross-dressing per se, it's, it's, it's acts that are limited to specific genders. So, for example, in the old days, uh, many moons ago, when I was growing up, me, uh, body hair for men was a beautiful thing. We were proud of it. I, when I grew up in Brooklyn, the JCC, uh, you know, Brooklyn, no one, no one went swimming with a bathing suit on. And everyone was very proud of their body hair. Um, it was, uh, right... So uh, the the uh, the point being is right. So it's prohibited. That's an example the Gemara gives. Is prohibited for a male to shave their uh, their genitals here, their underarm here, their chest here, because men don't do that. At least real men before the feminization of America, right? So so the, so men didn't do that. Today times have changed. Obviously, so that's an example the Talmud gives of something that it would be prohibited for men to do. It's not just clothing. It's making yourself look like a woman in other ways, okay, not just articles of clothing, okay, for another example the Talmud says is pulling out white hairs from, plucking your white hairs from amongst your black hairs, I don't have any black hairs left, but the day. I'll take any okay. hairs donated white or black. Okay, so that is something that was considered a feminine act, so to speak, quote unquote, Talmud says that's a biblical prohibition to do that. Now again, times have changed. So this is, interestingly enough, as we discussed in the past, this is a subjective, it's one of the few subjective laws that's based on society, meaning, as we discussed, a woman's garment um, in America is not the same as a woman's garment in Iran or in Saudi Arabia. Okay, so women in America today wear pants, therefore there technically is no prohibition as far as this law for a woman to wear trousers today, because even though 50 years ago or, uh, or in Europe there was no concept, a woman never would be seen in trousers, but today it's it's part of society, therefore now it's a unisex garment, it's no longer viewed, according to Mas Boskin, as a male garment, and therefore women, as far as this is concerned, so other issues maybe it's mute, but as far as this is concerned, a woman can wear pants, can wear trousers, as far as this law is concerned. Um, today, as we, in the last ten years, I think I actually read an article two weeks ago, the body hair is coming back in, chest hair, um, for males, not for females. It's coming back in? Yeah. Meaning now, you know, people stop shaving again. It's now there. Yes. So, but uh, so, but this, our society today, today, I mean, uh, you know, last year, if you uh, you know went to the gym and you have uh, body hair, it was like, whoa, people will, you know, they might not let you, they might revoke your membership. Okay. So people, men shaved their their body hair, shave or shave. Therefore, it now is no longer just purely a female act, and now it is permitted for males, technically speaking. Yeah. If you look at the history of plastic surgery in light well, of this... Wait, let me finish my point, because people have to leave at mm -hmm. okay. 9.30, and then you can talk. So again, so the question becomes, cosmetic surgery, again, purely for cosmetic reasons, um, where the assumption is, and uh, actually uh, I don't think it's true anymore, but it was when initially cosmetic surgery was being done, it was it was a majority of females uh, using doing cosmetic surgery. I believe today, I think it's the opposite. I think there are more males <laughs> almost well, doing cosmetic surgery. So times have changed, but but again, that the question would be, if you live in a society and how does it work by state, because they actually have a chart where they broke it down by state, believe it or not, Texas has more males doing cosmetic surgery than California. Very sad statement. That's why, we're, that's why we're going blue. Um, the history of plastic surgery. So, so the point is, so again, let me finish my point. So the point is, that's another question number four is, how does this law apply? To, does it apply to cosmetic surgery for a male to do a cosmetic surgery? Is that a violation of doing a, so quote-unquote, a female act? 
where the Torah prohibits that for a male. And again, uh, what? Only if it's breast on <laughs> That could be that for sure. No, problem. Sure. By the way, no, that's no, that is. They talk about it by when you when if you have a gender change in operation, that for sure is prohibited. You're violating this act. That question. That's the ultimate uh, putting on a woman's true. garment or put a man a male female putting on a man's garment. Yes. So you're hundred percent. Thank you.